conversation might save a life if we do it right. But if we keep quiet, then it's social Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast Friday Sessions. Um, before we start, just wanted to do acknowledgement of country. So um, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that I'm on, the Bunjalung people, and um, pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Um, so today I wanted to talk about a few Indigenous issues that are going on in Australia right now that aren't really being talked about and sort of if they are. Um, you know, it seems to be a lack of care there, but, um, yeah, this is, this is why we're doing the podcast to sort of create awareness around these issues and, um, hopefully get on top of them and just get the ball rolling sort of, um, to create change. So, um, we want to talk about today sort of the over-representation of Indigenous people in, um, our correctional, um, systems, um, so in jail. Um, suicide rates in Indigenous people, mental health, substance abuse, and substance abuse is something that I want to speak about, um, you know, for everyone, because it's a huge problem that goes on in Australian culture and Australian society, Indigenous, non-Indigenous, both the same. It's just a massive issue that needs to be tackled. People, I think, they overlook substance abuse and alcohol and tobacco and things like that, and they just think it's a daily occurrence, but really it's so toxic and when you come out the other side of it, um, you sort of get an idea and um, sort of become more aware of how bad it was for you at the time. And um, I'm not saying that um, that I'll never drink again or um, anything like that, but I think the rate at which we drink and, and smoke and do these sort of activities is just it's too often. You know, it's as as we all know, it's a root uh, like a a weekly routine and um, you know, it can become days and days on end at sometimes, and we all know that. So, um, I think the the substance abuse and 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 the, and the use of alcohol to, to self medicate and you know over the um, sort of generations, I think Indigenous people have used it to self medicate, um, and that's just became a part of each generation. It's just handed down. So, um, with talking about deaths in custody and um, over representation in the jail systems and suicide rates and mental health, it all sort of I think ties in with substance abuse because most of the time when you go into jail and things like that, it's because you're using these sort of toxic substances. Um, not always, but you know, drugs and alcohol are a massive part of the reason why people are in jail. Now. Indigenous issues with all of these things and stuff like that. It's never going to... Because I've been watching Q&A on ABC or on YouTube or whatever channel it's on. And there's so many different Indigenous issues that people are talking about. And honestly, the way that this country has treated Indigenous people over generations is like there's never going to be one-stop shop fix. Like there's so many different issues and so many different circumstances that sort of time with everything like everyone has a different story from around the country like you know either like you have heaps of indigenous people around you and you're all suffering from the same thing or you're in a place where you feel isolated and there isn't that many indigenous people around you and you know even though you aren't you know at the forefront of to- of conversation because you know as a society or as your community you're a very low percentage 
Um, but yeah, it's still going on and there's different circumstances for everyone. So it's never going to be a one, one fixed shop. There's just so many things that we have to tackle in the process of getting back on track and, and, and creating change and making things right again. Now I've written down, um, a few things, so many indigenous cultures, I was watching a different podcast yesterday and they were talking about how people were displaced off their actual tribal lands and non-indigenous people didn't really understand what country that like that meant as when 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 we talk about being on our country what that means exactly like they think like not on australia as a whole like that's not how indigenous culture works if you go on google you can look up australian tribal like um land map and it'll show you all the different countries like all in different colors all the different names so like that's your tribal land boundaries so that's what it means by country i i i um I encourage everyone to go on Google and look it up because it's very interesting. Like, you, and then you can see what country you're on, how far the boundary goes, um, stuff like that. So, displacement is huge. Like, people aren't connected to their countries anymore because they've had to move for work or um, in times of stolen generation and things like that. People were sent to missions and things that weren't on their country anymore. And, you know, a lot of traditional, like, languages and knowledge has been lost through that process of displacement. So that's that, that comes down to a, um, a very big um, issue with Indigenous people. It all just ties in with incarceration rates and, um, you know, loss of, loss of um, community and loss of knowledge and loss of traditions. Um, another one is social issues. So, so, like, social issues would be, like, um, their social status, you know, whether they have um, opportunities for employment, um, sort of, you know, drugs and alcohol in their community and, you know, sort of generational trauma, like what they've gone through generation after generation, like, um, yeah, like, do they have the same opportunities as non-Indigenous people? So you have to take that into consideration when we're talking about these things, generational trauma, so... Um, I watched a podcast yesterday and they were discussing that there was a casting system. So basically they were sifting out the light of indigenous people um, to make it easier to integrate into white society. Um, so the lighter you were, the more chance that you were going to be taken away. Um, and sort of the question I had, I wrote down to that is like, why do people think they have a right to know what percentage you are of Indigenous? Like, it's always been the question on everyone's mind, like, what percentage are you? Like, no one cares what percentage you are of um, English. Like, most people don't even know their heritage or where they've come from in the beginning. They just say, oh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm Australian. Like, life started 200 years ago, when in fact it didn't start 200 years ago. Um, you had a bloodline that went back to England or wherever else you've come from and life continued then as well. So it didn't just start in Australia 200 years ago. That's when, that's when your ancestors or whoever came started their life here. Um, so yeah, like there was this white Australia policy as well and, um, I'll read it. The White Australia policy in is a term encapsulating a set of historical racist policies that aim to forbid p 
people of non-European ethnic origin, especially Asians and Pacific Islanders. Um, from immigrating to Australia starting in 1901, subsequent acts further strengthened the policy up to the start of World War II. Now, what does that mean for Indigenous people? Indigenous people were often refused access to community venues and services, including hospitals, swimming pools. As a result, rather than being assimilated, Indigenous people were often forced to live in poverty on the fringes of town. Now, also, it goes into further than that. They were not able to own homes. They weren't able to get married, all these other stuff that went along with that. Um, so, you know, that, that creates a generational trauma that gets passed down because, as you know, like, it hasn't always been... Uh, 2021 there hasn't always been this much opportunity for indigenous people um, things haven't really been the same um, equal they haven't been equal for a very very long time well to be fair there hasn't been really any equality since 1788 but um, yeah so I, I, I talk about this spiritual journey that I'm on a fair bit and um, you know this week I, I saw a kookaburra and um, when I see a kookaburra that represents um, an elder family friend of mine Vedette because her totem is kookaburra and um, I saw it and when I saw it it was like real skinny and anyway this thing came through for work and I had to go to my auntie's house to sign it and who was there when I got there but Vedette and she was really skinny like she had lost so much weight and I told her that I had saw a kookaburra and she said like who do you see sitting in front of you right now and I was like yeah mad um and we were discussing I I told her about the podcast and and what I had started and um that I was trying to learn Gumbangian and she's a Gumbangian elder and um I said oh I I know a few words and a few sentences and then she said speak to me so I started speaking to her and then um, she just started replying like full Gumbangia, like full speaking to me fluently. Um, and the weirdest thing was like she was speaking in words that I hadn't even, like I don't even know. I was just understanding what she was saying. She was like, what is this and that? And I was like, you know, picking up what she was saying, like it was ingrained in me. And we were sort of discussing topics that need to be hit on the podcast, like... Um, you know, deaths in custody, in prison raids, like suicides. She was telling me that, well, she, she's from Grafton, so she was telling me that um, in Grafton, they have the highest rate of 13 to 19-year-old 13 to 19 suicides in Indigenous culture, so um, anywhere in Australia. So um, she put that to me as a question, like, why is this? Um, and I, th- I, I honestly don't know, so... Um, it, it, it probably comes back to like these social issues and um, also like some indigenous cultures I feel um, you know, I'm from Tweed so we've been very integrated for a very long time but some cultures are still um, huge aboriginal population and it would be hard for them to live in you know in, in such a white society in such a European society still um, because people don't understand there's been traditions and laws and um, our own sort of set of rules for thousands of years. And now that in 200 years, everyone's that's, that's not that many generations to, to assimilate and um, 
sort of find your feet in the world. So there'll be so many social issues just filtering down and just generation after generation. And, you know, in, in towns with huge indigenous communities, you would see family members, like even here, like some of the boys that I grew up with, like they were going to jail all the time. Like on my 18th birthday, we went out and one of my mates just didn't come home. And we're like, where'd he go? Like, what happened? Like, is he missing? Like, put flyers up. And um, we found out a couple of weeks later that he was in jail. And, you know, that just kept happening over the years. And um, I've seen so many people go to jail that it just became normal, you know what I mean? But I never wanted to go to jail because I had good parents and I always, you know, they always told me, think about your actions because, you know, there's only one place you're going to end up if you're mucking around, you know? So um, now when we talk about deaths in custody, I've got a few statistics here. Um... When it comes to Indigenous deaths in custody, there's no protocols to inform the public of deaths in custody. It's like released on a, a on an annual basis, but it needs to be reported in real time. Um, African Americans, I was watching a news um, broadcast this morning on sort of like um, Black Lives Matter movement and do they really matter and do people actually care? At the end of the day, like when you hear about these things, does it actually rock you or you just think about it and you run to the next thing because it doesn't really have anything to in um, like draw you in or tie you to these issues especially if you don't know any indigenous people you never have you've never spoken to indigenous people which blows my mind seeing as we're an indigenous country um but you know that's real issues that go on today in australia and they were saying that african americans make up 14 percent of the american population but 34 percent of the prison population is african-american now Indigenous people in Australia make up 3% of our population, but 27% of the um, jail population are Aboriginal people. Like, that is nuts. We're, like, the most incarcerated people on earth per capita. Like, that's not on. Now, when we speak about those things, obviously, it's, it's, it's easy to get upset. Like, there's been 432 deaths in custody um, you know and it's easy to start doing the blame game and stuff like that but I think it comes down to us as a people now we need to start building back up the indigenous culture sort of taking control of our own lives because I feel like if we leave it up to the government and things like that nothing's ever going to get changed you know what I mean unless there was like a full indigenous government which I'm not sure will happen in my lifetime but who knows with these sort of podcasts and um, creating awareness. Who knows what's what? What the you know, the possibilities will be in the future. Um, if you're indigenous, you're likely to be incarcerated thirteen times more than a non-indigenous Australian, which is a crazy statistic. Now, I think that sort of comes back to grassroots issues, like do we trust police? Our relationship with police. And I'll talk about things that I've noticed just here in my community in Tweedheads, but um, there's no trust with police. I remember when the only time I've ever rang the police and spoken to the police was one time when I was like 16 and I had a someone pulled up and pulled a butcher's knife on me and tried to rob me for my shoes. And me being like a young, young gun, like I was like, no way am I giving you my shoes, you know what I mean? And the fella was like, he pulled this big butcher's knife on me um, and he's like, yeah, I've been on a crime spree. Um, 
yo, give me them shoes. And I'm like, no way, because in my head, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford to buy another pair of shoes. I'm not giving my fucking shoes, huh? Anyway, he buckled and was like, just keep punching on. That's what he said to me. And, you know, the whole time I'm shit myself, I'm thinking I'm about to get stabbed. But I'm like, you know, there's no way I'm going to um, separate from my brand new pair of TNs. Um, but, you know, thinking back now, I don't know, my, my, I just think it was the right decision. I wasn't going to give them shoes up for nothing. But in reality, if I would have got stabbed for a pair of shoes, I probably would have been a bit upset. But... Yeah, my mum, like, made me ring the cops and that. I wasn't even going to. I was like, no, I'll just let it go. But mum was like, oh, you need a reporter. Like, because it was like a chemist. Like, the fella pulled up. Like, they were doing, like, a robbery on the chemist or some weird shit. Like, and I was just waiting for dad to come and pick me up. And, yeah, like, I, in Indigenous culture, I just feel like we have no trust in the police. Like, what are they going to do? Like, I, I know for sure, like, if someone did something to me, in the past, I would have been like, not ring the police, we'll handle it ourselves, you know what I mean? But um, I think <laughs> that's something that we need to work on as a culture, just getting that relationship back with police. Um, but when when all this stuff happens and there's trauma there and a bad history, you know, it's very hard, but there's something that we really have to, have to get on top of. Um, because things that I've noticed in my community is like, like there's a very wealthy suburb here and where I'm from is like pretty middle class like um you'll see the police like very rarely like once or twice a month probably I don't know just noticing them like very rarely unless there's something going on they'll be there but if they're just doing patrols they're not but you know there's this very very wealthy suburb here in Tweedheads and I, I was working there the other day and I seen the cops going past like probably two three times a day and then they had a full barbecue set up, like a meet and greet with the people. Like they were putting kids on the bikes, like setting the sirens off. And I'm like thinking to myself, I've never seen that in my community. Like I'm from 15 minutes up the road and I've never seen that ever. Like there is no, there's a disconnect there, obviously. And there's, there's, there's a few indigenous people that live where I'm from, but it's mostly like middle class, like hard working sort of area. Or it was when I was growing up. Maybe even less, but um, I've never seen that sort of interaction with police before. I've literally never seen that. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, these people are like, this is probably where they like, this is their recruiter base, like here. But I'm like, you know, they probably, all the people that live there are wealthy as, like they would love that because they, they need that security. And I'm like, pretty shit go as well because it's like, I don't know whether it has to do with all the rates they're paying or stuff like that, but even just the parks and the amenities and all the shit that they have there in these in these wealthy suburbs, like when you come back to, you know, just sort of one of the low-income suburbs or middle-class suburbs, it's not even like that. It's just run down. Like, and when you're in these high-class suburbs, the council are literally, literally there like every single day, like cutting trees, making it perfect. You come back to the middle-class suburbs, the lower-income suburbs, they're non-existent. They might come mow the lawn like once a month, but that's about it. So I think there's still a divide with wealth and equality. Like money is such an evil thing when it, when it, it it's such a divider of class and divider of people just because social status and and money. I think it's such like there's so much bullshit that goes into money, um, like. 
I've got some stats here on disproportionate incarceration rate. Like, and also if you see, if you if you were to see that like as a low income, I'm like I'm not even talking Indigenous people now, but if you saw that from a low, lower income sort of standpoint, and you saw the police and the interactions and the and the relationship that they had with the wealthier community, and you weren't that wealthy and you came from a disadvantaged background, you're gonna have a pretty sort of shit stance on the police you know what i mean they're only here for the rich shit like that and you know it's probably true but you know that's something that we need to work through and get get a relationship back because you know there's so much divide between indigenous and low-income people and the police you know but um, disproportionate incarceration rates. Okay, so in 2016 to 2020, in every oh, 2000 in 2016, 20 in every 1,000 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people were incarcerated. It's a persistent and growing problem. Now, Indigenous incarceration rates increased 41 percent between 2006 and 2016. Now, Indigenous women constitute 34% of the female population in jail. The rate of Indigenous women was higher than the rate of non-Indigenous men. Okay, that's just not on. In gross, unproportionate rate in incarceration. Now, how do we stop this? That's a good question. Now, I think it's super important that... Um, in the efforts to try and stop this and control this and stop people from going back to jail and back to and going to jail in the first fucking place, um, I think it just comes back down for Indigenous people. It comes back down to, um, you know, firstly having the rights like everyone else and having programs and systems in place because I think if the shoe was on the other foot and you know there was that like in in the percentage of non-Indigenous people in Australia, if their percentage of people were in jail like Indigenous people are, I think there'd be like, there'd be an uproar, obviously, and something would be demanded to be done about it that day. You know what I mean? Um, But how do we stop this? I think it just comes back to like finding our identity again and just, you know, just because people want you to assimilate and, um, you know, you've been put in a systemic system your whole life, your schooling system wasn't Indigenous, you, yeah, you got taken out of class a couple of times, but the rest of the class, they were all brought up non-Indigenous. Um, you never really learned anything about Indigenous people. You didn't do anything Indigenous, you know, and then you, you, you were forced to assimilate. You weren't taught your language. You don't know what country you're on. You know, you may have moved, stuff like that. I think it's about reconnection for us. I think it's about reconnection and um, a new sense of identity and purpose and where we're headed as a people. And I think, um, you know, it's starting to happen now very slowly, but, you know, um, people are talking about their countries again. Um, people are starting to connect again, learn language again. Vedette, um, me and Vedette's discussed learning language again and her teaching me correctly in the way the way to correctly speak it um, because there's a lot of rolls of the tongue and it's a very difficult language to learn. But I think it's important for me and my growth as an Indigenous man to really reconnect and um, sort of learn learn my language completely because I said to her, if I fully learn it fluently, that's the language I'm going to speak all day, every day. 
I'm going to say it to people, and if they don't get it, then I'll teach them what I said, you know what I mean? Um, but sometimes, you know, I just have a sadness for the state of this country, you know what I mean? I'm just like, how did we get here, and how did it end up this bad? You know what I mean? Like, for Indigenous people to be screaming out and being like, look at us, we're here, we've been here for, for fucking forever, and we're still getting treated like this. It just, you know, blows my mind, and especially here on the Tweed Coast, there's just the biggest lack of Indigenous culture ever. Um, you know, no fault to the Indigenous community. Um, but, you know, I always ask myself, where the fuck is everyone? You know what I mean? I walk through a shopping centre and I feel like one lonely brother out there. Um, like, when me and the boys get together... There's quite a few of us, but, like, on a scale of, like, walking down the street, you would see one Indigenous person, um, you know, in, like, 500, you know? So I expect being an Indigenous country to walk around and see fellow Indigenous people, you know what I mean? And I understand that there's other communities with bigger Indigenous communities, but for here in Tweed, I think it got to a point for me where I was like, seriously, I need to start speaking about this because there's such a lack and it's draining. Um, like, in, and there'll be people that come out and say like, no, 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 you can go down the museum or you can talk to elders, they're there. And I'm like, yeah, you're not understanding what I'm saying though. There is a serious lack of Indigenous people in this country. If we are 3% out of 100% of Australia, that's a massive problem right there. Um... And then me and Vedette were speaking about reclaiming land and sort of, um, it's a pretty sad world when traditional owners have to buy their land back. And I'm telling you right now, it's not cheap. Um, but just, I think that that's just going to um, excel the growth of our people just to have a safe haven to go back, learn country, live on country and just, you know, learn traditional ways because me and Vedette were speaking, there's such a lack of respect for our old ways. Like, there's been such a push for so long to just assimilate and, and worry about 2021 and all the technology and cars and money and all that bullshit. But for me and I think a lot of Indigenous people, it's it's not about that. I, I care so much. I, I care less about all of this futuristic shit. I'm more wishing that I could go back in time to reconnect with country again. Like, you know... Uh, ideally I'd love to get myself in a position to have a stable job to be able to move back to country and you know live out in the bush um, accessible to town because we all need work but somewhere that I could reconnect with my country again and then you know when the time comes that's where I'll pass on you know what I mean on my own country um, having learned being an old man that speaks his language again and, and, and t showed his kids a different way and um, hopefully my grandkids and my and my children's kids, you know, grow up speaking their 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 language and, and, and reconnecting again because do I see a point in um sort of the culture that exists now? No, not really. Um I think, you know, just getting off alcohol and those sort of blockers, um that block your true senses and emotions and I think that's helped me so much to open my mind to more spiritual connections real connections being present in the real world um and you know like for some people they would be like well Jacob's lost the plot you know he's moved off he's gone home he reckons and he's living by himself out in the bush you know whatever but 
once you figure out who you are and where you want to go, like there's nothing holding you back really. Um, yeah, so reclaiming land, like buying the land back and, you know, crown land is something that I want to discuss because I've seen it and heard it talked about a few times, like, and I looked it up, like, what is crown land? It's like New South Wales government and that's half of all land in New South Wales is owned by crown and, um, by the crown. And I was like, well, what does that mean? I mean, I looked it up on Google and it said, which is owned by the monarch for the duration of the reign and of the monarch. So which I don't feel will be much longer. It's a 1,200-year-old tradition. It's out of date. It's shit. Um, quite frankly, I care zero about the royal family. Absolutely zero, less than zero. If you care less about anything else, that would be it. Um, I just think the royal family is such a... such a look at me... Look at me! I'm, it's such a power struggle, really. It's such a it's such such a power thing. Just get rid of it. You know what I mean? What sort of society we live in where there's kings and queens? Like me and Vedette were talking the other night. Like there is royal blood in Aboriginal culture. We have our own royal families. Why do we care about one from England? Why are they still ruling over us? And they don't even work in that. I'm pretty sure we pay their ta- like they they they're tax paid. So when they come to Australia, they have to come do a tour. So because they you know. Um, they can come do their what they're paid to do by our tax money. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's I understand how that works. Um, and I think that's absolutely diabolical. Um, I won't go too much into this, but you know, I watched the Meghan Markle Prince Harry interview, and it was just so apparent how little the royal family cares about indigenous people of any race of any color you know what i mean they care zero little to none they feel about us how i feel about them um and i think it's just a tradition that's gone on for too long it's just like it's a running joke you know what i mean it's um it's gone too far and i think it really needs to, to end and um yeah I, I, i'll um i'd push for the the end of the monarch maybe that goes nowhere but to me fuck it who cares? They're a bunch of um, sport brats, and they need to get out of out of um, this country and go back to where. They, like, if they want to rule over England and that, sweet as. Um, but um, I think it's the, the the time here in Australia is done. I think get off our coins, get off everywhere. Like I've seen the, that that old lady's face enough, and I've had enough. Um, anyway, well. I don't really want to speak about that too much because it gets me angry and I was telling Vidal, oh, I'm so angry and frustrated all the time about the way we get treated or the, the treatment that I have to piece together my ancestry because of all this shit. And she's like, you just have to turn it into love. Just turn it into love, which is sometimes very hard to do, but you know, I'm trying my best and I think growth helps that. Now, Aboriginal suicide rates, now suicide is something that affects all of us in the community. It's something that we need to discuss openly and we really need to get on top of. It's a very controversial topic, like with the with the legal euthanasia and things like that. Um, like who's right is it to say when your time's up? But um, there's a lot of people struggling that can't see a way out and I just don't think they've been in that struggle for so long that they can't see the way out. But there are people out here that care and want to you know do better and make change and affect others in the community and maybe they can see a way out for you that you can't see for yourself so 
if you're before we go on with this maybe um if you're feeling down or you're not feeling right 100 percent, make sure you reach out to someone make sure you get the help that you need because it's super important um especially for indigenous people we're going to go into some numbers in a minute and you know they're actually insane so um we need you here as a culture we need everyone here present and happy and and knowing who they are and fighting for our race because if we're three percent of the whole population you know um it's an uphill battle but you know if we can reduce numbers in suicide and incarceration rates and all that stuff it all becomes one thing that we're working on and working towards a better future for our people and and everyone inclusively as australians so um as I said before, me and Vedette were speaking about in Grafton from 13 to 19-year-olds in Australia. It's the highest place for Indigenous suicides. And why is this? Um, how do we stop that? How do we manage it? And how do we change that? Because it's either like, it seems it's either suicide or incarcerated. Like, And then, you know, they, they, they're committing um, suicide in jail. So that adds to the deaths in custody. And it's just like, where does it end? You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's something that we need to keep speaking to elders about. We, 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 we get a plan of attack and it all comes down to us in the community being positive role models for our indigenous brothers and sisters, um, for our gargoos and jinders, you know? So it's super important. Like, you know, some people probably wonder why I do these podcasts and why I even bother spend my whole weekend. Like yesterday, I did a whole podcast, but I wasn't. It wasn't a hundred percent right for me. So I wanted to read to it all today and make sure it was all the proper facts, all the you know points that I needed to hear, things like that. And people probably wonder why I do this, and it's because you know I see the struggle that people that look like me go through, and I'm trying to make it easier. And I want to create a better future for my son and. If all of this information that I'm talking about is correct and that my son comes under this as being vulnerable to these statistics. So um, I think it's, well, I really have to thank my son because he's put me on this journey. Without him before this, I was just doing the same old stuff. So yeah, baby. Um, you know, if my son's a driving force for all of this and now I've got the ball rolling for myself. I think it's just unstoppable, you know what I mean? So suicides are rising year after year in Australia, okay? Indigenous suicides. Um, and the government doesn't respond um, adequately. So I've got some numbers here. So 2012, 120 Indigenous people committed suicide. I've got this from Creative Spirits Information. That's a website. You can go on there. There's an actual map on there showing the communities in Australia where, um, you know, the suicide rate is really, really high. Now, most of them are inlands, um, inland and sort of up north, um, but the communities. But that's just where the most Indigenous people are. Now, so... In 2012, 120 people committed suicide, Indigenous people. 2014, 140. In 2017, 165. And 2018, 169. Now, I didn't see any other stats, but um, I'm pretty sure that's on the incline. Now, why is that? I'm not exactly sure, but I'm 
searching for the answers, you know what I mean? Um, in 2009 report, male suicide rates, okay? So 15 to 19-year-olds, Aboriginal, 44. Non-Aboriginal, 19, a factor of 2.3. 20 to 24-year-olds, 75. Non-Indigenous, 22, a factor of 3.4. 25 to 29 was the highest, 91 to non-Indigenous, 18, a factor of 5, 5.1%. And the last was 30 to 34, um, 60 for Indigenous and 15 for non-Indigenous, a factor of 4.0. Um, pretty, per, that's all per 100,000. So um, it's pretty shocking, to be honest. There's a bit of a gap there if you haven't noticed so um, now mental health and um, incarceration rates death in custody they're all the same issue you know what I mean it's just one big cycle now when you factor in substance abuse with all of that um, it becomes this you know huge ball of destruction you know what I mean um, I think it's something that we need to talk about and by people becoming sober giving up the ciggies. Uh, I read a stat yesterday that cigarette use had dropped in the Indigenous community, which is a massive positive. But, you know, there was still it was still rampant, you know what I mean? I know black fathers and they love durries, you know what I mean? <laughs> Cigarettes and alcohol are a big thing in Indigenous culture and I just believe it's a way to medicate, self-medicate, just, you know, the, the generational trauma that's been there and these systems have been put in place for, you know, hundreds of years. You know, so that just filters down, filters down, filters down. Like if your uncles and all your dad and their dad and stuff like that went to jail, where do you think you're going to end up? If they were do, using drugs, where, what do you think? What do you think's going to happen? If you were smoking, I know for a fact. If if someone, you know, a parent, a relative is smoking, you'll pick that up basically at some stage, more than likely. So, um, I think that it just comes down to us giving up all that sort of stuff and starting a more positive cycle because if less people are drinking, they're going to get in less trouble. You know what I mean? That's just a fact. If less people are smoking, it's going to have that ripple effect, less health um, side effects, you know, more, you know, stronger mental states and um, less funding we can take out of, you know, jail systems and stuff like that and put it back into the community in a positive way and, um, things like Eden's One Thing Project, um, stuff like that. You know, it's a slow process, but once we get these these um, cogs in the wheel moving again, you know, moving and we build these sort of support systems and stuff like that, then we can start to really, really create change in the community. And um, that's something that I want to look into as well. Maybe, um, who knows down the track which path, which path I'll take from here, but... Um, I'd love to get Vedette on the podcast. I was planning on having her on the podcast. And the thing with when you talk to elders is like you see how passionate they are about their country and, um, you know, you see the way they speak and the aura that they give off and the energy and the knowledge, you know. It just it reminds us that knowledge isn't lost, you know. There's language there. There's, there's um, creation stories and that. She was telling me this the other day and I, I'm not sure if it's my place to say it. So um, I think I'll keep all that for one day when she comes on and she can disclose with the with the podcast what she feels um, 
uh, um, appropriate. But yeah, like to have her on would be massive. You know, she's a very very spiritual woman, and um, I think everyone would benefit from listening to her. Um, but I'll try and make that happen over some at some point. Um, but how do we solve all of this? I think it just comes down to culture, just finding our culture again, finding our identity, learning languages. I think it's super important that we start putting languages back into school systems. Um, kids, not indigenous kids also, um, I'm not sure. There's so many indigenous laws, like traditional laws, things that non-indigenous people don't understand as well. Like they think because it's 2021, these traditions and laws don't affect us as a people anymore, but that's not true. There's a certain way you have to act when you're on country if you're indigenous. And Vedette was explaining to me, like, because now I'm a man, but not in, you know, traditions have fallen away and I'm not initiated. I'm not an initiated male or whatever, um, adult. There's certain things that I can and can't do on country and have to watch out for because, you know, even though it's 2021, these traditions haven't left the country. You understand what I'm saying? It's hard for non-indigenous people to understand this, but... There's certain things in that that can happen to you if you're not um, taking the right precautions and the right traditions and stuff like that, like serious, like spiritual things. Um, and it's hard for some people to understand. I understand that, you know, how could you be connected to a country when you've had no connection to any country for, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of years, you know what I mean? So... It's sort of when people hear me saying spiritual things and stuff like that and traditions, they sort of get taken back because, you know, the word spirituality gets thrown out. There's so much these days like, oh, I drink lattes and I'm doing meditation on the beach and I'm spiritual, I tap into me aura and that. And, you know, that's well and good. But, like, there's there's spirituality and then there's proper spirituality. Like, anyone that knows me, I'm not sitting here running my mouth about spirituality. It's just making shit up. Um you know, it's a real thing, a real connection for me to my country, and you know, and it's real, and it's and it's um, it's raw, and it's powerful. And you know, I yesterday I recorded some music because I was just feeling like the the music scene at the moment is just entertainment. It's not, no one's doing nothing to create change except a few, like shout out to JK47 from Tweed, man. Like he's put the indigenous culture on the map, bro, and like he's doing real good work. And um, we appreciate that on the podcast. Hopefully I'll get his brother on soon to come and have a chat because um, we've known each other for a while. And I think his perspective on indigenous culture in the music scene would be valuable to listen to. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, like, I think the way to go forward to solve these issues is just reconnecting with elders again, showing respect to elders, learning language, um, finding our traditions again, respect, and then the freedom to practice our traditions and and do our traditional law, men's business, women's business, um, you know, and with the elders reclaiming land again, I think it's just going to create these safe havens to practice these these, um, traditions and these laws. Um, and the less that we do negative things like substance abuse and shit like that is just, is, is, is literally like, I think alcohol and, and drugs is literally the, the starting point. 
that's where we tackle first because we can't do anything with a foggy, foggy, not clear mind. Do you understand? Um, and you know, you know, alcohol and 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 drugs in the indigenous community, even in my family, um, things don't get speaking about spoken about much. But you know, um, alcohol has generationally been in a lot of families because my family's huge but and a lot of families been a very traumatic thing you know what I mean like um, violence and domestic violence has resolved around alcohol and drugs and it's a massive thing in the indigenous community and that's something that we need to get on top of 110% and by people just putting down the drink and, and getting off the cigarettes like that's where we start you understand and you know, I'm not saying that you have to give up the alcohol and and um, you want you'd want to give up the drugs forever. But um, I'm not saying you have to give up alcohol forever. I'm just saying we need to cut down, use it as a tool for celebration, maybe, and then you know, week to week, we're not we're not smashing ourselves, we're not abusing it. You know, everything is okay in moderation, they say. But um, yeah, uh, I. Um, I think when I can get um, in touch with some more elders and stuff like that, then we can, and um, you know, get indigenous leaders on here, and we can talk, and people who want to create change, we can talk more about putting systems in place to attack these issues. Um, now, I just want to describe like sort of how I feel um, having my awakening, so you would call it. The spiritual awakening there's a line in history my path and I was traveling down it right just like everyone else in this you know sense mindset then I had my son and I was forcefully ripped out of this spiritual sense into the path that I've been traveling my whole entire life the one that I was meant to be on that's how I can explain it um, you know, people might think I'm off rocket, but we've established that. Um, now, I want to speak about drugs and alcohol for myself. Now, when you go back and listen to drugs and alcohol, my relationship with drugs and alcohol, that first podcast, however many weeks ago. Now, I haven't gone back and listened to that at all. Should I? Probably not. Um... But I'm sure there would be a massive difference in the way that I'm speaking, the way that I'm driven, the way that I feel, how um, happy I am, you know, stuff like that. My mental capacity. Um, I ran into my uncle a few weeks ago and he said, geez, you speak very well now. He said, you know, you're very passionate about this. You've got a voice and, and you know how to use it and you know what to say. And I hadn't seen him since Christmas, you know what I mean? So I think the way that I speak now with my head held high and... I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just saying stuff and I'm actually doing something about it and I'm very passionate about it. So I'll put this to you. Like, if you're not feeling the best and you don't know how to get out of the rut and you haven't ruled alcohol and cigarettes and drugs out, well, maybe that's your first place to look. Maybe really just, you know, try and hone in on that and try and work on giving it up, getting rid of it and see how you feel. You might feel better. You might feel worse. If you don't... If you give yourself two months off of it and you don't feel better, well, then jump back on it, you know? It's not my place to tell you what to do. I'm just trying to guide you. 
Um, but I wrote a list of before and after. Sort of before I feel ashamed, disappointed, let myself down, broke, depressed, sad. Um, I was unstable, you know what I mean? Um, not myself. And I was just doing damage to my body completely. Afterwards, I feel proud, you know, amazing, fresh, pro, um, productive, happy, saving money, less stress. Overall, less stress, you know, more present, um, more family time, um, following other passions. So I have more time to put into the podcast and stuff like that. Um, you know, more mental freedom, more mental stuff to like um, educate myself and learn. And I just got more time, even though I spend my whole weekend doing podcast stuff. It feels like I've spent more time than I would if I was drunk laying in bed, you know, or hungover. And the most important thing is I'm not being blocked by my senses anymore. My senses aren't being blocked. I've opened my mind up to so much more stuff. And it's super important um, that I think this is just vital work that someone needs to be doing. And if I don't talk about it, who will, you know? And I've got the platform and I've got the voice to be able to speak about it now. So... Um, I think it's super important, you know. Um, um, I think, you know, a few more things before I go. Um, Just going back through the notes. Um, There's still, I think especially, I feel it too. Like when I work in these very wealthy suburbs, I feel this like, I don't know whether it's on my end or their end, but I've seen people come out and judge me very quickly. And I am big with a beard and tattoos and brown skin, but you know, I'm wearing a uniform. I think I've spoke about this heaps, but there's like still just this stigma of like, oh, there's a like black person. What are they doing? Watch them, make sure you watch them. You know what I mean? And that's something that we need to get over and move past because, you know, we've unfairly been in this, like, been put in these these stereotypes, you know what I mean? And if, if you're someone that thinks like that and you've never actually spoken to an Indigenous person before or you don't know any Indigenous people, maybe you make that connection. Maybe you go down to your local museum or something like that and you get involved. Maybe you just speak to someone. But don't hold these outdated... Um, sort of stereotypes because everyone is shady around Australia you know what I mean like doesn't matter what colour their skin is there's shady people of all different types of society so um, yeah I think as I wrap this up I just think that if you are tired of the way you've been feeling and stuff like that I want to do if you take anything away from this podcast today it's just that if you're tired and you're sick and you want to change there's places like this podcast you can listen to and literally watch you can go back to my first podcast and watch the progression that's happened and that's not a coincidence that I've given up these 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 toxic things and I'm not saying that I'm ever not going to drink again you understand I'm just saying that I've identified that it doesn't work for me and it doesn't help me mentally so let's try and limit that to the least let's try and limit that completely you know if I go to a wedding one time or whatever and I want to have a night to celebrate maybe try and limit that as well like just have a couple instead of you know going crazy but 
you know, if you take something away from this podcast, it's just that we need to be proud as people because let's just take the mindset that the government aren't coming. You know what I mean? They're not coming to save us. Nothing's ever going to change unless we change it ourselves. So if we're not respecting elders, respecting, you know, if you're in a position where your little brother is not making the right the, the, the right choices and you ha- you're in a position of power to be like, listen, the whole world's watching you. I think the most important thing is we keep building these Aboriginal and Indigenous institutes, podcasts, charities, um, clothing brands, uh, businesses, and we build ourselves up from the inside out because that's the most important thing. And if you see Indigenous people around and they're struggling, help them out, you know what I mean? We're not just... We have to stop thinking that real, real minimal, just like, you know, we don't know them, so just move on. Like, we are one. We've always been one. Um, we need to reconnect with each other. doesn't matter what country we come from. Let's all get around each other, support each other, and create change from within um, and really build ourselves back up. It's super important. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm excited for what's ahead. This podcast is just a stepping stone, and um, it's early days. It's still the rookie season, so um, hopefully who knows what position we'll be in down the track to create change for our people and um, all Australians. Um, so I appreciate everyone for listening. I hope today has been helpful in some sort of sense. Um, you can hear my son Grayson riding around on his bike thing in the background. So hopefully that's not too t- torture on your ears. But who knows where we'll be in a year's time from now, two years time from now, five years time from now. Hopefully we'll be in a position to be able to help others and help the community and really, really bring the Indigenous culture back to the forefront of people's minds in this country. Um, because I think it's the most important thing that needs to happen today and you know, today's a good start to, uh, a good day to start doing that. So, um, thank you everyone for listening. I appreciate it and I hope this has helped. If you're in any sort of situation where you're not, um, you need help, whether you need help from yourself or you're in a position of domestic violence and the kids are at risk, you're at risk, get in touch with the right um, people who can give you help. Always call the police. I know there's been that stigma, but. Um, we need to be able to trust in them in this situation. And I know that it can create more issues, but we need to, and you need to help yourself and we need to help each other. So even if it's not the police, even if it's a friend, let's get in touch, let's build communities and let's um, move forward as a people and as Australia. Um, hopefully down the track, I'll be learning more language and I can bring it to use through this podcast and, um, just normalise it again you know what I mean make indigenous culture normalised again and cool and um, because it is cool in my eyes it's the most important thing right now so um, I think it's it's vital for my survival as a human my development and growth and uh, for my son's life for my son's future and this and that and this and that so we need to create strong leaders in the community doesn't matter if you're indigenous or you're non-indigenous let's keep building those strong uh, leadership bases and Um, create more leaders in the community Um, a lot of people being lost over the years and it's time to put our foot down feet down and be like fuck all this let's change let's change for the better let's create change through conversations all right thank you everyone for listening i appreciate the support um yeah yari yarang stay safe have a great week thank you